Welcome to another episode of Zealous Podcast. I'm your host, Rocky Snyder. This week, I've got Samuel Archer Jr. on. He is head of strength conditioning for the San Jose Earthquakes Academy teams, specifically the upper teen years, U15, U17. Sam's going to come on, and we're going to talk all about strength conditioning, what it's like to be in the MLS. So in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at Rocky underscore Snyder. Click the subscribe button. Enjoy the show. Yes, it is back to the hometown sports here. And I got San Jose Quakes, the earthquakes. And I, I got to say, if there is a stadium that you want to go see an MLS match, it is PayPal Stadium right by Mineta Airport in San Jose. And Sam Archer Jr., he is with me now. He is in charge of a portion of the academy, which we're going to get into, the San Jose Earthquakes Academy, which is just developing the players going up to the MLS, just like MILB or the farm teams. We're just going to get right in it. So, Sam, hey, welcome to Zealous. Thank you. Glad to be here, Rocky. Dude, well, it's, it's good to have you here. I'm really excited because I, I, I've had uh, some of your colleagues on in the past and and there's nothing like talking to some some of the teams that I'm a fan of, and uh, the Quakes are one of them. You guys did pretty well this season, a lot better than last year, I'll tell you that. So yeah. from a fan base perspective, I'm going to say thank you right now for that. Now, so tell me, though, uh, you, you just got into town less than a year ago. Where where were you coming from? Give me, your, like, your origin story. Like, you, where did you grow up, and, and how did you get here? Yeah. Uh, so I was born and raised in uh, Queens, New York. So I'm a New Yorker, uh, even though you might not hear the New York accent anymore, but we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, my father basically put a ball at my foot when I was three years old, four years old, like just walking, physically developing. And uh, I'd say like, literally, I just fell in love with it ever since. Um, my parents are Jamaican immigrants. Uh, so they moved to New York from Jamaica. Uh, in Jamaica, you know, it's... It's soccer, football, uh, or track, really, like on the athletic side. So my father was basically he took me to a track and he took me to a field. And I didn't want to run unless I had a ball at my foot. So <laughs> naturally. <laughs> naturally hey, football, was your dad a footballer? Was your dad a footballer? Uh, yes. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Nice. Semi-pro level, collegiate level. Right on. Um, yeah, my mom, uh, she was a school teacher. And so she honed in on the educational side with me. So the mother, education, education, father, athletics, athletics. So I got that. familiar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, soccer took me to, uh, to Rutgers University. Uh, we can skip through the whole like development stage, but basically I played club soccer, right? I played for different teams. Uh, this was before the academy. So I'm dating, dating myself a little bit. Like I only got to play Academy the last year uh, with the New York Red Bulls. So I was with New York Red Bull Academy. Were you now? Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That must have been exciting. <laughs> I mean, you get the letter and get the opportunity to go play at the Academy. Yeah. That's a highlight. Yeah. I mean, from the age of 13, 14, uh, I got my first experience like going overseas. I played in the Gothia and Dana Cup, which is like a historically challenging youth uh, soccer tournament uh, overseas in Denmark and Sweden. And that was like my first, like, I guess you can say, eye opener to this is what professional 
soccer life could be like for me. And it really, uh, I think I really started to lock in a little bit more from that young age. I always knew like I wanted to play, always knew like this was, this is what I love, this is my passion. But I think that was like a moment for me where I realized like, yeah, this can be my career, you know? Right on. Yeah, I was blessed enough to uh, be picked up by the U.S. Uh, youth national team. So I have uh, U-17 national team pool uh, experience. I have uh, Jamaican national team pool experience. So going into those type of camps. So from a young age, being around like high-level athletes and seeing what it what it's going to take for me to really take it to the next level. Uh, wow. What was, yeah. Okay, so just right there, difference between U.S. national and Jamaica national. What's the biggest stand, uh, difference between the two? Uh, I'd just say at that time, at least, uh, organi organizationally, uh, U.S. structure was definitely more in place for sure. Mm. Um, I think Jamaica has grown a lot in that, in that uh, area for sure. Uh, but yeah, U.S., you know, has the financial, of course, upper hand. Research. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, that's so we're at around like 15, 16. Um, that took me to I actually went to your neck of the woods. Uh, when I didn't get invited to IMG Academy, it's called, I decided to like I needed a challenge. So my parents sent me to Brooks Boarding School. Ah. So in North Andover. So I'm yeah. familiar with Massachusetts. I'm familiar with Boston. Uh, I played there for two years, and that definitely helped my, obviously, being seen for collegiate soccer and progression like that. I was around high-level athletes, also high-level teachers, right? And this type of realm and understanding of what it takes to succeed as a professional. Um, after my junior year there, I moved back to New York for my last year, uh, my senior year. And then I got picked up by Rutgers. So I went to Rutgers University. That's the school I decided on. I'm curious though, just uh, backing up there, did you guys go against Phillips and Phillips, Phillips Academy in Andover? Yeah, we did. I figured, yeah. yeah. Did. And it, did you just destroy them every time? <laughs> just just lie and say yes, because it'll feel so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, had, we, had, a, we had a quality team. <laughs> we had a Beautiful, quality team. all right. So <laughs> then from Rutgers, where do you go from Rutgers? Yeah, so played all four years at, at Rutgers, all four seasons. After my last season, I got picked up by Colorado Rapids to the MLS. So that took me to that step. Uh, I didn't I didn't sign the first team contract. Uh, so I ended up going overseas to try my luck overseas. Okay. Uh, and then I was pretty much a journeyman overseas. I signed in Denmark, I signed in Poland, Finland. Uh, final season I just played in Norway, but that was more of a just for fun coaching type of season. Well, I gotta say that's such a world that I have no experience in. I have no idea of what traveling in that regard, being an athlete and going from one foreign nation to another. I mean, in some ways, I'm sure it made you worldly wise and, and quite the traveler, but other times, I mean, it makes you feel kind of alien, foreign, isolated. What but mind-wise, like uh, mentally, what was that like? Yeah, you definitely have to, you definitely get the opportunity to find yourself, if that makes sense. 
when you, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a mental battle. Um, the psychological side of it, of, you know, what am I in this for? Like, I believe I can be playing at X, Y, Z level or X, Y, Z club, but I'm not there yet. What is it that I need to do to, to get there? And I literally, you know, I, I wanted it. Like I did everything I could. Unfortunately, I had an injury that's, you know, took, there's a reason why I stopped playing, but like, you got to really mentally, it's a, it's a battle every single day, you know, yeah. you're out there on your own. Um, you don't know if, you don't know if you're going to actually make it, you know, cause I didn't, I never signed for a team that was giving me six figures a year. I was, I was working with 30, like 40. That is, that's not something that you're going to, as an athlete, live off of, right? right? So that's the that's the mental struggle that a lot of athletes, a lot of soccer players in particular, coming from the States, definitely go through, uh, for sure. So yeah. Just, yeah, it's a it's a mental grind for sure. So through that journey, you go into you you find your way up north into Norway. And you just mentioned a coaching position or were you player coach? So actually, it's funny, the, what took me to Norway is my fiance. Of course she did. <laughs> so, I mean, long story short, happy, happy wife, happy life. Uh, we were living in New York, uh, was coaching in New York. And you can just say, yeah, due, due to homesickness on, on her end and for me, I knew what I what I do can translate to anywhere, so it wasn't it wasn't an issue for me to make that move with her, um, and it turned out being a incredible incredible move for both of us, and me personally on in my career. Uh, when I first why got there, why is that? Because you... it gave me the opportunity to the last club I was at to work at Budaklimt, and Budaklimt was like I was. I was coaching on high level in the in the US, but Buddha Glimpse gave me, gave me a different perspective of what their what what strength and conditioning coaches, what the physical development, what the medical side is looking at in Europe, what they're how they're developing players in Europe. It gave me a different, a different view, a different perspective. And it yeah, it's it gave me a whole other view of looking at this. A, a deeper comprehension is, exactly. is that what's over there? Yeah. They're just, it's just a different, it's a different style about developing uh, soccer players from the youth. Yeah. Would you say better? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say better, but. What are the elements? What were the elements that are better? Like, what did you take from that? That is absent in the American academies. I'd say for sure the understanding that the youth need to be doing the exact same thing as the, as the first team, except starting from the obviously competency base, but it needs to, your, your U14 team should be playing the same exact style as your first team. And I don't think in US there's that same type of connection. That makes sense. Over there, yeah. you know, they understand that in every single age group going through the process you're developing these are these are the guys that are going to be your guys here it's a little bit more like you know in the u.s you know you have collegiate you have there's not the same type of urgency to make each team literally that's going to be like say all these u17s they're going to be my first team 
Understood. Really honing in on that and under that type of understanding instead of trying to develop players that are, yeah, looking at individuals and looking like, yes, this player is good enough to go pro. This player is going good enough to go collegiately. It's the all around technical, tactical, physical development piece leading into the first team. I think understood. I think we can get better at that in the States for sure. Yeah, well, it seems like there's a little bit of a push in, in that regard. I mean, I think it was five, maybe six years ago, I went for my U.S. soccer license, which, you know, they connected with FIFA. And, and at the time, they were talking about how we have just got to have the same language, first of all. We're going to number the positions. We're not going to have them have titles to them. And we're going to try to develop the same strategies universally all the way down. But uh, but not everyone bought into that. Right. But I see it happening. I mean, if 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 that uh, path continues on, I, I can see us catching up to European soccer in that fashion. So, okay, so you're in Norway. How long were you there for coaching? I was there for three and a half years. Oh, man, yeah. So you developed a lot of experience there. Yeah, so I was coaching at the first, the first year was actually tough for me. So I went over there when it was COVID time. So... Uh, yeah, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> yeah, we can. I'm. I think I'm so done. I think we're all yeah. done with talking about that. Yeah. But, but there you go. You get experience from it, even though it's it's not the ideal environment. Okay, so you get past that, mm -hmm. and now things are opened up. Mm -hmm. And what what was your position with the Norwegian team? Uh so I was the U15s, uh, 13s, 14s strength and conditioning coach. So I started with the, All right. when I, when I first got in, I was with the second team, but on a part-time basis, I guess, just to fill me out, see whatever. And then more of a full-time role with the 15s, 14s, 13s. Right on. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's talk strength conditioning here with varying age groups that are just post-adolescent, I guess, or, or pre-adolescent. Like how did your programs vary if at all for the u13 u14 u15 and so on right so when you're dealing with the academy age groups you really want to as i was saying before it's top top down top down type of structure so my my u13s need to be or you can say from yeah top down type of structure my u13s this year will be, I'll be able to send them to the U14s with a, a new, with the competency of the U14s, the 14s to the 15s, 15s to the 17s. So it's okay, like, cool. it's building blocks like that. The 17s, those you want to treat them, they're professionals at that age. So my, my style of, of coaching and my style of everything on the field and everything in the gym, you're tailoring to what the second team is going to be doing. So you want you want there to be a connection between the age groups, right? You okay, want, yeah. There has to be a connection. Uh, so everybody I send from my, from my age group, from the 17s to the second team, they need to be fully competent in everything that the second team is doing and so forth and so forth. So that's how I, that's how I break down the, you can say the LTAD model, the long-term athletic development model. Uh, model. Yeah, you've got yourself like your your wife might call it a rubric, 
where you have a, just a, basically here are the elements that we need to have proficiency in. Here's the degrees of proficiency to actually mastery. And your goal is to get them up as close to mastery for that age group, because that's more or less the starting or midway point for the next group. So you're not having to introduce a whole new concept the very next year as they age up. But so with your younger players, are we talking proper lifting mechanics, proper understanding of load, proper understanding of rest? I mean, the, the basic fundamentals, and so with, then you're going to build upon that with the U14 and so on? Exactly. And obviously, right. so when I come in, right, I have to put my, you can say, my macro structure together for, for everybody yeah. to see. And so... Yeah, the 13s, 14s, you're talking about real basic, right from the start, you're talking about squat mechanics, hinge mechanics, uh, step-up mechanics, bracing mechanics. You're talking about the, the foundational movements, right? Being proper form in foundational movements. And that's on the field and in the gym. And then you take it to the to the next step with the, with the 15s. Okay, I'm first coming in, so I have to assess, obviously everything is a, day by day from when I started a eye test. The eye test is first before any type of movement competency test. It's what you see like, on day-to-day basis. You use the Snellen chart with the letters going down lower and lower, cross one, uh, close one eye, close the other, and so on? <laughs> yeah, literally, literally. Yeah. Okay, so maturation is a is a big part of what we do and what we did at Buddha Glimpse, right? Because right now, most of the studies show that that 13s, 14s, 15s, age group, 16s as well, right? When they're going to that structural development, there is a period where we can really accelerate development. And that's what we try to hone in on in, in the academy. So we're looking at, right? So in my macro cycle, I make sure we have periods where we're doing PHB testing, okay? And that's how we can get more individualized with the players and more individualized in their gym programs and how- Okay, they... so that's like a growth velocity chart, basically, you're, you're measuring them on a regular basis to yes, see where their yes. growth spurts are? So every, I'd say every three months, we've been doing it every three months, uh, they go through their standing height, seating height, weight, and then we have, of course, the height of their parents, whatnot. And I've got the Excel chart that we can see where their peak height velocity is going to be. So, and do you look at, uh, do you request medical records from previous years so you can see that as well? Yes. yes. Dude, I love this. Yes. You're really diving in deep. That's awesome. Okay. So let's say that, uh, let's just look at LTAD for a moment here as it relates to football slash soccer. You've got an athlete that is, uh, that you notice is um, having a growth spurt. Are you going to go like uh, joint mechanics and mobility because they're going to be a reduction of mobility? Do you load the system? Are you looking for strength or speed or what are the elements based on where they are in their growth patterns? Right. So before that peak height velocity, before that peak maturation, uh, you're looking purely movement mechanics, purely, purely movement mechanics. When they're in that stage, because everything is is cognitive, right? That a lot of their development has come through cognitive development. When they're in that stage where they're at the peak height of their velocity of their growth, uh, that's when we're I start to look at 
Okay. Maybe we need to look at his loading. That's like when the coaches, I give the coaches more focus on the field, on their field-based loading. And when I look in the gym, uh, taking down the volumes or maybe adding the volumes just with less weights or body weights. Depends on what age we're working with. If it's the 15s, then they're they're working with weights. I don't believe too much in starting with weights with the 13s, 14s towards the end until they have full competency. Why load the structure if they they don't have the mechanics? So why am I going to do that? So, Total agreement. Um, yeah. So in that process of that peak maturation, right outside of that window is when. Or in that window is when cognitive, cognitive, cognitive. Right outside of that window is when, when I see the competency, I'm going to load those guys. I'm going to start loading those guys. Okay, so how do you deal with the cognitive in, in a weight room setting? Or is it strictly out on the playing field or, or doing situational stuff? What are we talking with cognitive? So I, I'm, I'm very creative, or I'd like to say that I'm creative. I like to take on my, from my, what I've learned in through coaches that have worked with me and through just my training. Uh, in the gym, I do have cognitive. But when I say cognitive, that means literally like, what's a good example? Box jumps. I have them, I point to a direction and they have to explode up and to the right, explode up to the, to the left. So it's not simply just a simple movements. It's actually reactional based Right. So that's where you can start to get creative in the gym, especially for soccer players, I feel like, because at the end of the day, yes, there's straight line speed, there's vertical, but at the end of the day on the football pitch, it's constantly surveilling what's going around with you and reacting to what's going on around you. So so that makes me think then, sorry, Sam, but that that you we've got this age separation, U13, U14, U15, and so on. But you're also talking about the maturation or growth rates of these athletes. And some hormonally are going to be different than others at their same age bracket. So what I'm envisioning right now then, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you've got in your mesocycle, shall we say, your meso program, I've got A, B, C, and D. And depending upon where they are with their PHV, I'm going to place them in B or C or A or D. And it's not going to be age specific. So much of it is going to be based on their maturation. Exactly. I want. Oh, to be, I love you. I want I to be as, this. I want to be as individualized as I can be, right? Because that's that's how we get the best out of the athletes. I go I go by approach where, right? Our our top athlete, I can't have him. We're not going to slow down the program for the bottom athlete. So I try to get as individualized as possible so that the top guys, they're, they're going to the stages where they can be peaking. And then usually I've seen that it works that, right, you catch up, right? The guys in the bottom, they catch up as long as the competency is there, right? You hone in on the competency and then you can really start to get into more advanced type of training. So how do you explain that to your athletes though? I mean, from a, from I'm they're not fully mature. So therefore I'm going to use the word immature or, or premature or something like that. They may not have the, the neurological conceptual wherewithal to understand this process. So how do you get the buy-in? How do you not 
kind of like here I am standing just an inch over hobbitdom. How do you how do you tell this athlete over here? Hey, the reason why you're doing this is because you're not growing. Because you know, if you eat your eat your Wheaties and and maybe someday you'll be able to lift like these bigger guys over here. Obviously, you're not doing that. But what like how do you have those conversations? The beautiful thing is for me just talking from my experience. I can give them my experiences. I can give them. I've been in their shoes. Uh, I've worked with players in their shoes. So I use, I like to use my experiences. First thing I have to do as a strength and conditioning coach for me is connect with the players. If I'm not connect, if we're not connected, you're not going to buy into anything that I'm saying. And that starts with the youngest age group to the oldest age group. So seeing is believing, right? <laughs> say seeing is believing. So I like to really, you can say, practice what I preach so I can preach what I practice. Right, so I I lead by example uh, in the gym sessions. And I also, I like to, I mean, I just connect with them on that type of level. Right and, on. You know, I just try to connect with them the best that I can. We're gonna take a quick break in the action because I wanna talk to you about Satanta College. It's where I'm enrolled for my master's degree, but they've got plenty of master's of science degrees for all strength, conditioning, performance, such as applied sport and exercise psychology, a master's of science in sports injury, return to performance, performance coaching, and applied sports biomechanics and movement science. And if you want, if you're interested in finding out more, just go to satantacollege.com. You can even use a code for 10% off your tuition. That's RS10, RS10. Go to Satanta College and you won't be sorry. It's a great educational process to step up your game. Now, back to the action. With your academy, you mentioned strength and conditioning. It is very common for athletes to be year-round athletes. And in the academy, that's what you got. So, but we know that there's a high burnout rate with single sport athletes and they need to have other types of conditioning, AKA other sports and activities. So within your program, how do you incorporate that? I, aside from the weight room, do you, are there times somewhere during the, the full year that you're going, you know what, we're playing lacrosse. So with the 13s, 14 specifically, 15s as well, I literally have uh, blocks uh, in the warm-up and things that we'll do on the field that is multi-sports, okay? So I'll incorporate other types of sports into the, into the warm-up, just other types of movements for them, multi-sports. So they, it doesn't get stale. You know, it's always, you always have to find new ways of intriguing them. You'd say, yeah. right? You want to intrigue the athlete, especially at the younger ages, right? If every day, not everybody can take every day honed in, you got to be the best at this, or this, or this. No, right? So it's it's fluctuations, changes in this. So it's literally in, in the macro cycle, multi sports, right? They'll go through four months of when the warm up is actually multi sports. And you're getting different types of movements that is actually going to help in their development as a soccer player. That's I mean, are you taking, uh, yeah, are you actually doing actual different sports or is it just multi-sport warmups? Meaning like, hey, I'm going to break out the twister mats and we're going to put it out on the pitch and everyone's going to, I'm going to spin the wheel and blue, 
uh, left hand blue? Are you are you going to break out literally lacrosse sticks? And hey, instead of kicking the ball around, we're going to be using these sticks or or ultimate frisbee or hey, we're just here's a basketball court right here. Let's go shoot hoops. Yeah. So right right now I'm a European handball guy. <laughs> so I like throwing that in there. I right like, on. I like throwing uh, a little bit of uh, what is it called? Capture the flag. Oh, like, thank God you didn't say like pickleball. I was, I was okay. That's good. So, Capture the flag, right on. Yeah. So just things that's it's fun, and also they're also gonna get some different types of movements and different learn some different types of biomechanics. You can say right because there's there's different movements that can incorporate into the soccer from other sports. So I definitely am a fan of definitely doing other sports as well for sure. How many athletes do you have at each age level in the academy? Uh, so the 17s, we're at around 26 right now. 15s, about 20, 22. 13s, 14s, you're looking around 20 as well. So, so you're looking at about 80 to 100 athletes? Yeah, yeah. Woo, yeah. man. But remember, how are you with remembering names? <laughs> so remember, 13s and 14s, we have an assistant who's more hands on than them. I just give him the structure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot for sure. Okay, what are your must go? What are your go tos, must haves when we're talking about loading resistance training? What what do you have to have in your program? Uh in terms of like in the gym yeah gym setting like uh, we're going to be doing front squats or back squats we're going to do a uh, any specific or we're going to do a bulgarian split squats we're going to be doing hex bar deadlifts i mean what are your go-to what are your fundamental foundational movements from which you can have accessory lifts what are your main lifts uh my main lifts usually consist of if it's a more total body type of day, you got the horizontal pull, horizontal push. Uh, you've got squat dominant movements. You've got, I definitely like to uh, incorporate uh, single leg movements. Uh, as you said, like the Bulgarian uh, lunge, you want them to, soccer players to definitely have that ability uh, laterally, contralaterally. Um, there's definitely, in all the movements, of course. Uh, I'd say I go through periods of whether it's going to be a full body strengthening, lower body strengthening, upper body strengthening, or explosive. And plyos are always a part of the program. I always have some form of plyo in the program. And what what's kind of the volume we're talking? If you're counting contacts or or, you know, how do you measure volume for plyometrics? When do you know that uh, you're, you're reaching the point where, okay, that's the, the appropriate amount and I don't want to overdo it? I mean, especially coming from a European background, which historically they have a tendency to overdo the plyometrics. No offense to the East Germans or whatever, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, we're coming right now out of my most fun time of the year, along with the start of the season because we just came off of a month break. So I had them doing a off-season program that cons consisted of uh, strength and power, just so they stayed competent and 
had a not necessarily hypertrophy, but they stayed strong and they stayed malleable and ply and ply and ply already. Uh, so then we started as soon as they came in. I went into a high volume with uh, explosive pliers, and we went into a you could say when we say high volume, we're talking about three sets. We're talking about ten to fifteen reps, like. We're talking really high volume. At that period, we had we don't have games, so I'm really pushing the guys. I want them to build strength. I want them to build power. We're really focusing focusing in on that. Uh, I just went through the last two weeks coming into this game is our first like proper MLS game, uh, French contrast type of block. So I I went a little bit uh, lower on the volume and higher in the intensity. I don't know if you're familiar with the French contrast training, but I'm not, I'm not. Could give me a breakdown. E educate okay. me. So essentially it's essentially it's a, you could say a triple starting the block with a triple, triple set, uh, loading, uh, vertical force. Okay. So for example, uh, you'd start with, uh, at least for the 17s, I don't like to do too much of the back, but I would do a quarter kettlebell squat up and down fast. Okay, so you're mimicking the jump motion, everything but coming off of the ground. Uh -huh. It's loaded with a heavy kettlebell. Then straight into uh, dumbbell uh, verticals. Okay. So right after that. Okay, so loaded jumps. Okay, then into... Uh, fully using it to say a triple broad jump. So it's intense, heavy on heavy on the legs for that period. And essentially it's loading, it's loading the vertical, right? Loading the different movements in the vertical. Uh, another, another variation of that that I, that I used is also you can do uh, kettlebell Bulgarian, for, for example, into uh, lunge jumps and then like lunge jumps with weight, and then into say single leg uh, bound jumps for distance. So, so right, so it's Got it. either unilaterally or bilaterally, you're loading through, uh, through the different movements in a vertical or horizontal force, and then into the- yeah, The higher the load, the lower the, the ballistic intensity. And exactly. as you lighten the load, the greater the ballistic, and then till- <laughs> They have no load except for themselves, and you're just sending them exactly. flying. And you just go exactly. Got it. Um, How often do you do that? Weekly? Once a week? No. Or is it like match, match, uh, or game day minus two, or or how does that work? That so that French contrast block, I'll do only three times this season. Oh. And it'll be a two week period. Two weeks, oh, okay. three times a season, and this is a this is a period of when, like, I'm not worried too much about the load that they've gone through, like in the season. So, so more preseasonal, like right. just beginning of the season, if not before. Yeah. And as I said, this is a mid preseason, and then towards the end, when I want them to be, obviously, looking at the load, when I want them to be peaking again, going into playoffs. And of course, you've you've got sports science on your side here. You know, just before we hit the record button, you're you're saying I just finished uploading a whole bunch of data. So you've got your GPS. You know their fatigue states. So exactly. you're you're going to play it by ear when it comes to that. I imagine. Exactly. 
Exactly. Um, one thing I really enjoy, I don't have, I don't have like data results yet, but I have seen like at least with teams and through my own training that also adding a, you can say assisted type of plyo towards the end of that is also, it's definitely, it's definitely worth, worth using it, worth adding into the program. And so I did add into the French contrast block, uh, would do a heavy kettlebell squat, then into the uh, loaded verticals, and then into an assisted, like resistance band around the pull-up bar, assisted verticals. And obviously I only do that with the oldest age groups. Like, so just the 17s, the 15s. Wait, 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 what, why would you do it with the oldest age groups? Cause I'm, I'm imagining you're able to get so much more force production from ground contact, but you reduce the impact by right. having the band. No, not not on the deceleration, not on the not on the down. Oh, so they let go of the band. So imagine you have a pull up bar. Yeah, you tie the resistance band, whatever weight that is uh, good for the player. Gotcha. And you, grab, you grab onto it, and essentially you're jumping higher than you can actually jump. So you're coming down with a little bit more. A little. Oh, bit I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I make sure that it's the more competent age groups, 15s, 17s. Got it. I was thinking that'd be actually less impact because the band is helping to decelerate. But then again, you are going to a higher level. So yeah. you're probably with your, G with, your, with your measurements, your metrics, you're like, oh, no, we're actually landing a lot harder. Yeah, they've got to fully go through like landing mechanics blocks before they get to anything like that. Right on. Dude, you just got such a fun job. You must love this. <laughs> it's it's amazing because you know, like especially right now, like it's this is like my this is my project. You know, I'm tracking what I can do with these age groups and how they can progress, like long term. So, like it's really my this is really like my project right now. I'm at the stage where I really want to see what I can put together and where I can. Yes, this is where uh, X, Y, and Z happens. Yes, this is where X, Y, and Z happens. So brilliant. Yeah, that is excellent. And so you—I I don't even know if we finished that story though. But you were in Norway, and uh, and you made it to San Jose last July. You you came over with Mike Brown, right? He came over before me, and literally, like one day, I just. I just saw that there was an opening for the position and I knew he was over there. Yeah. Oh, no way. Oh, yeah. see, I thought well, he, he recruited you. I mean, kind of, kind of. You did it on your own. <laughs> no, good for you. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. great. You saw an opening and you went for it and went for you it. got the, yeah. And I'm sure your wife is, is thrilled with living in Norway while you're out in California. <laughs> I just, no, no, she came with you, right? She's coming. She's oh, coming. she's coming! Yeah, she's coming. Ah, so they're she's coming still around open. like April or June. That's right. Nice. You coming. say they? You've got kids too? Yes, I've got I've got a little one year and nine month old. Oh man, there is an added element. So, wow, being a new dad and having to move away—how is that? That's got to be rough. Yeah, it's. Uh, let's just say I try to focus as much on work as possible because the time. In between is, is tough. 
because I only get to see, I only get to talk to them in the mornings and before I go to bed. So nine hour time. Well, so that is a nice thing about technology. You can actually see your baby and your wife, and but they're coming over. Well, that that is pretty cool. And uh, so with your position as strength conditioning coach, with the uh, the U15, U17 at San Jose Earthquakes Academy, I, is is that where you want to be? Like you're you're developing the plan. You want to? I'm imagining you want at least a couple of seasons to really solidify this plan before maybe moving up the ranks or whatever the case may be. So as I said, for, for me, like the academy is the most. I get I literally get joy every day out of seeing players like develop when you're working with the second team first team obviously it's more of a it's more of a management type of stage right and it's a different it's a different type of development in the academy you can really you can really take a player to another level when you get them at that right age group and you can really see like just an acceleration in, in development and for me like that that gives me a lot of joy. So right now I'm very I'm very happy in in the academy uh, side of things. But well, course- that's a story that keeps resonating. When I talk to like guys in your position that are at AAA or in the minors or on the farm teams, they are loving it because there's so much more room for development with the athletes compared to those that are on the first team or or in in the majors where now you're just kind of making sure they stay up there and it's a little tweak here and there it's more fine-tuning but you've got so much more bandwidth that you can work from with your developing players so i can completely understand that now uh, being a a fan being a quakes fan here i've i've only gone and, and watched first team events do your players play in PayPal Stadium or are you guys over at the practice pitch on the other side of the parking lot or how does that work? Yeah, so we don't play at uh, PayPal. We play at uh, Reading Grant or Ohlone College. Ohlone. It's where our home games are located. Uh, and essentially, like, our bigger type of competitions are usually, like, tournament-based, just like, you know, youth tournaments, right? You've got GA Cup. You've got MLS Next Best where the players really get a chance to showcase themselves in front of professionals, scouts, you know, collegiate scouts, those type of, those are the big events for the, at the youth level, for sure. And these players of yours, are they primarily from the Central Coast or are the Quakes recruiting internationally and and nationwide? So another thing I enjoy is just working with just players of, coming from different demographics, different, different backgrounds, and just getting an understanding of different different cultures, where different uh, you know, players are from, parents are from. Uh, yeah, we have, we have scouting, of course. Coaches are scouting. Like, we're always looking for the top talent in the Bay Area, Bay Area right? But, of course, there's always opportunity for, <laughs> you know, you can get a top quality player, then – you get a top quality player. I won't go too much into the scouting uh, process because that's like a little no, no. <laughs> to it, but yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So if, if Christmas was next week and you're writing your, your wish list for Santa as it relates to your job and, and the gym environment or, or just your day to day, what are you going to ask for? What do you, what would make your work a little bit more complete? 
not that the HR director or the coach is watching right now or anything like that, but what, what would be, what were some things that are, are piquing your interest? You're like, Ooh, you know, I think that would come in handy. Yeah. So, I mean, just right now where we're a little bit moving between doing gym at the field and doing gym at the first team facility, just because one of the first team, like we don't have our own uh, gym facility yet. So mm -hmm. that's, that's in the works. So I think that's obviously would be big if the academy had its own gym space, right? Of course. But um, so yeah. you got to work around the first team schedule, right? Exactly, and the, even the second team works around the first team schedule as well. So we all we all have to be together. Um, yeah. So right now I do. We've got equipment at the shed at the at the at the fields. So I do gym uh, gym based sessions at the field and as well as at the facility. So right now it's a bit of a dance. And if, obviously if I didn't have to dance as much, it would be just a little bit, a little bit easier, you know? Yeah, we got to call the chancellor at Ohlone and have you just open up the weight room over there. Let's we'll see what we can do about that. Yeah, I love that. Okay, last question is that uh, you're always learning and you've, you've sought it, information, experience, education far and wide from New York to Europe to California, what are you interested in learning at this time? What, where is your interest as it relates to maybe strength conditioning, but maybe outside of that arena? Well, right now I'm fully diving into just biomechanics and just simply how do I get the player to get from A to B faster. So I've been diving into that, like really diving into it. Um, I also have to uh, do my next uh, CSCS. So I've also been, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm in the books in between everything that I'm doing here as well. But I've really been just listening to, listening to some uh, like YouTube and your podcast is about to be next for sure. Just <laughs> as much, as much education as I can get. But really I've been focused on just linear speed. How do I, how do I get these players, especially from 13, 14, 15, right? To just understand mechanically first, right? And how can I get them to just produce that horizontal, vert vertical force that'll translate onto the field? And Beautiful. I've just been diving, diving into that, how I can really structure it so that the 13s, 14s, 15s, 17s have that development pathway. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just fun. Every day, it's, it's really fun for me. <laughs> oh, I, I can just, every word you say, I, it just resonates and, uh, and it exudes your enthusiasm too. So Sam, you know, we connected on LinkedIn. I'll be sure to put that on the description below, but do you have an Instagram or any social media stuff where people that are interested in watching and following, any, anywhere to go? Uh, yeah, uh, it's archmadness underscore fit or you can follow me on uh, my Instagram. Uh, yeah, right now I'm a little laying low off the social media scene until I, I bet you are fully diving in here. But yeah, you can definitely follow me on my Instagram for sure. All right on. Sam, I can't thank you enough. This has been a, a really fun conversation and I learned quite a bit and that's 
that's really the selfish nature of this podcast is because it's a classroom for me. I get experts in the field like yourself and I can just pepper them with questions and learn as much as possible. So in, in this episode, no exception. I want to thank you for being on. Thank you. And that brings this episode of Zealous to a close. I want to thank Sam Archer for coming on and the Earthquakes organization for allowing this to happen. Don't forget, you can get a discount off tuition for your Master's of Science program at Satanic College. Just go to satanicollege.com. Use the code RS10, RS10, for 10% off your tuition today. And while you're at it, if you want to pick up a copy of my book, Return to Center, Strength Training to Realign the Body, Recover from Pain, and Achieve Optimal Performance, you can do it at any major bookseller. Until next week, go out and make it a good one.